0: Blockchain as a tech for real-world challenges is often lost among the five-minute news cycle noise that tends to focus on blockchain only as the tech behind Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, and or NFTs. However, blockchain can be used to better our day-to-day lives and support communities around the globe to increase financial inclusion initiatives and climate resiliency efforts. On this episode, I chat with Ken Ko about how Mercy Corps Ventures is leveraging blockchain to make real-world positive impacts and create new opportunities for communities across the globe. I'm Jarrett Carpenter, and this is More Than Blockchain. Ken, welcome to More Than Blockchain. How are you doing?
1: I'm good, Jared. Uh, thanks for having me. How are you?
0: I'm doing well, and thanks for hopping on. And actually, I'm not entirely sure. Are you in Europe? Where are you?
1: Yeah, I'm actually, I'm based in Sweden.
0: Okay, that's what I thought. That's what I told someone earlier, because they were like, because normally my morning routine, I get up, I I get out of the house, I do some exercise, and they're like, well, what, you know, what are you doing? My roommate's like, why aren't you, what are you doing? And I'm like, well... Talking to a guy, I think he's in Sweden, and we're going to talk about Web3. So that's, I don't know if it gets more Web3 than that. So Ken, talk to me about Mercy Corps Ventures. Maybe you could actually, before you talk about maybe where Mercy Corps Ventures is today with blockchain and crypto and Web3, can you just give a high level of what Mercy Corps Ventures is and kind of what their mandate is? Glad
1: to. So we are the impact investing arm of Mercy Corps, Mercy Corps, the global development agency which operates in 40 countries around the world, over 5,400 team members working side by side with people living through poverty, disaster, violent conflict, and the acute impacts of climate change. And so Mercy Corps Ventures, what we do is we invest in and catalyze venture-led solutions to increase the resilience of underserved individuals and communities. Uh, We've been operational since 2015. To date, we've supported 42 early-stage ventures to scale and raise nearly $400 million in follow-on capital. Uh, Our portfolio is 51% female-founded, and it's centered around resilience building solutions and adoptive agriculture, frontier fintech, and climate smart systems, Uh, with the idea that uh, trying to help people living in frontier markets to withstand disruption and plan for the future.
0: Okay, that was perfect. When you look back at the sectors that you just mentioned, I guess let's just jump right in now with where Mercy Corps Ventures is today, and we're here to obviously talk about crypto, blockchain, Web3 start to add in where crypto and blockchain and Web3 play a role in those sectors where you're really focused on in frontier markets, emerging markets.
1: Yeah, so I think for us in terms of like how we ended up getting into crypto, um, if you go back to the early days of crypto, like dating back to Satoshi's white paper, there's a lot of hope and hype around how crypto is going to help people in emerging markets and frontier markets. Uh, The idea of permissionless, stateless money, Digital money that can be seamlessly sent between users, regardless of domicile, nationality, borders, uh, inflation resistance in hyperinflationary markets. So there's a lot of there was a lot of promise, a lot of hope. But I think it's fair to say that a lot of that hype hadn't been realized or materialized in meaningful ways for these users. And so given the work that we do in financial inclusion, we felt that there were some solid use cases here uh, by leveraging Web3 crypto technology. The idea that there are 1.4 billion people who are completely unbanked and excluded from the world economy. Uh, Within this, women are disproportionately excluded. Um, You've got at least 700 million women who are unbanked. But then within that subset, you do have uh 1.1 billion unbanked adults who do own a mobile phone and therefore could be reached with financial services. So that while like while understanding that there is a massive hype gap between what crypto can be used for, or maybe like the use cases of crypto, we felt that there's opportunity to demonstrate that there are some real world applications uh, which could help the lives of the unbanked. And then the other side of this is around the whole the climate resilience piece. And so thinking about as the refi space has gained traction over the past year, and given the work that we've been doing in web three, as well as Mercy Corps focus on climate resilience, we've also naturally uh, moved into this direction as well. And so big picture here, 3.3 billion people whose daily lives are at risk and highly vulnerable to climate change. 130 million of these people are going to be pushed into poverty by climate change by 2030. And emerging markets are set to bear 75 to 80% of the costs of climate change. And so there are opportunities and there's an urgency to deploy new solutions, new technologies to see how we can get ahead of this and help make people's lives better before, uh, before the acute impacts of climate change and financial exclusion are felt.
0: One of the things you just said, I think is something I hear a lot, which is like, does the current potential match the historical hype, essentially? You know, you're talking about Satoshi's white paper. If you read anything on the internet about crypto if you know anyone in crypto if you talk to you or i and you're probably not into crypto we're going to sell like crypto can solve everything or maybe not everything maybe that maybe that's how it will sound right we know that that's not the case and i'm constantly telling people that web3 is a solution for some things but not everything There are a lot of organizations, and I had this quote the other day, but it was like there's a lot of organizations that are so worried about, oh, how do they organize Web3 when they haven't figured out like their email or MailChimp or other like SaaS products that come from the Web2 world. And you just dropped a lot of numbers there. And so 1.1 billion people who are part of, I think you said 1.5 billion people that are unbanked, but 1.1 of them have uh, cell phones, which is great. And in the emerging markets, you're saying 130 million people are going to be pushed into poverty due to the climate changing as it is. So what goes into your calculations, taking into account everything that you just said, which was a lot of data points. And thank you for sharing all those, because I think that that helps kind of rough out the context of, of, of where ventures fits in in the impact investing uh, space
1: yeah so to your first point, I think definitely true the the hype has not lived up to the expectations and all the all the discussion around it um, and I think that's where that's where we really feel there's an opportunity here to to demonstrate some real world applicability and and to your question just around how maybe how these solutions come together, yeah, there are certain prerequisites, right and i think especially given the fact that we are part of a global development agency we have a humanitarian lens in the work that we do we're not going to be supporting any like any shilling project any crypto bros things like that it's not gonna that's not the approach that we're taking here we're we're, we're looking at solutions that are solving meaningful problems for people uh people who are otherwise unserved by the traditional financial institutions in their home country or who are like unduly exposed to the effects of climate change. These are these are the populations that we are aiming to serve and to support with the work that we do. And when it's appropriate, and I think this is probably the key thing, right? It's when it's appropriate, and we think that blockchain or, or broadly Web3 crypto can actually be beneficial towards solving these problems then we'll come in with that solution right but i think it does come back it, it, we are being very thesis driven in terms of how we're coming about this we're not going to say that web3 and crypto is going to save everything that's clearly not the case i think with, i think there's a huge amount of hubris in, in anyone who, who wants to declare such a thing i think we know that there are going to be instances where it does make sense and i think it's just going to be it's incumbent upon us to help identify and crystallize the use case there so that we can build and innovate solutions that'll scale effectively to reach the millions and millions of people.
0: I think the word you just said is super important. And anyone who's ever built anything, even if you just think about a lemonade stand, people often use a lemonade stands like a small business. The word you just said there, scaling, that is where things fall apart. You know, I constantly am thinking about when you get to the point of diminishing returns. And then it's like, well, every input you put in is actually hurting you. So when you look at crypto currently in blockchain, are there certain solutions where you guys have kind of identified and said, wow, when it comes to scaling, if we use blockchain, it's better. And the reason why I'm asking is obviously out of pure curiosity, but also to probably show people that in certain use cases, yes, blockchain can be better than other solutions that maybe we've had in the past. We could call them web two solutions, but non-blockchain solutions.
1: So there are a few that I think within within the use cases that we are prioritizing and maybe the thematic areas that we've been thinking more about. So I'll start with one, which is um inclusive financial services for unbanked populations. And so this goes back to that number of 1.45 billion people who are unbanked and roughly say about 39% of adults in low-income countries have access to financial services. Now with decentralized finance, De- DeFi, everything that's been uh, building over the past two, three years. I think we're finding some real world use cases or applicability where uh, crypto can actually be deployed in emerging markets to help solve this financial exclusion gap. Uh, one example is the idea of how can you build access to credit for otherwise financially excluded populations? And so we've been looking at this from the perspective of micro um, and small entrepreneurs or MSMEs. Um, so the idea is that, or the, the data shows that the finance gap for small businesses in emerging markets is about $5 trillion, trillion trillion with a T-R. Um, and so the, the reason why blockchains become quite effective in terms of serving this problem or helping to close this gap is that uh, smart contracts help you to facilitate instant settlement. And, and they also have an escrow service in it as well. So therefore, DeFi lending can actually be a much more cost-effective way to serve these higher risk market segments. And so you can use and leverage DeFi and smart contracts. You can tap into global north liquidity pools. So you're talking about anyone who has um, a MetaMask or a Goldfinch or a Maple account, and they can put some of their capital on there in the form of stable coins. And then that money can be Deployed and lent out to a borrower in the global south. And therefore, you've now unlocked a lifeline for these, let's say, underserved MSMEs. And so we've run a few pilots, uh, lending pilots, specifically with food vendors and smallholder farmers, which allows them to access affordable credit for the first time in often their lives. So one of the pilots that we ran in Kenya was with smallholder farmers. And of the pilot group, uh, this was the first time uh, that any of them had received credit for 96% of the pilot group. Um, And this was something that we made, we were able to make available at 8% APR, which is less than half of the interest rate that is commonly available by say fintech lenders in these markets. And the reason why we're able to do this is because we are, we are taking advantage of a market arbitrage opportunity where people in the global north up until say like three months ago, didn't really have access to high yielding opportunities because of uh, zero interest rate policies. And we were able to provide them with something that was yielding much higher than what they would get in say North America or Europe, uh, but then was still much more affordable for your average borrower in Kenya in this case, or you know, other parts of Africa as well.
0: So that's a really great point. And I'm glad that you went there because I was having a conversation recently uh, with a Colombian friend and she works for a bank in Colombia. And we were talking about access to credit. And I think that this is a really good conversation to have for people that are especially in probably Europe and North America, or when I say North America, I'm, I'm, I'm going to exclude Mexico in this, unfortunately, but uh, focusing on the United States and Canada, because in the United States, access to credit is just something that people take for granted. Yeah. You can just go, if you go to like a department store and I'm going to go buy some jeans, Ken, you know, like Macy's would be like, oh, do you want to open a credit card, sir? And I sign a couple pieces of paper, and all of a sudden I get 20% off, and they're gonna, you know, it'll show up in my house in three days. And the rest of the world does not work like that. So, when we talk about your access to credit here, and you're saying in Kenya, they got 8% as opposed to probably 16% if you said it was double. I wanna just drop this stat because I think it's a really important stat for people to understand. In Colombia, I was talking to my friend, works at the bank. Right now, and this may, I'm hoping that if, if you hear this, it should shock you. Right now, on credit cards, In Colombia, the APY in the United States is probably 20 to 25%. It's 46% because they're trying to tamp down inflation. So, this is just a Colombian example, but you have 46% on credit cards, and the peso has uh, lost about 20 to 23% of its value in the past nine months. So, not only are you in a hyperinflation situation, but you're also you know, you have basically a 50% APY for all intents and purposes, which is something that most people are just not going to be able to get out of. And so offering a DeFi solution, like you're saying, with smart contracts, that's an amazing solution for so many people who, as you've said, I think you said 96% of the people who received this credit had never received formal credit from the, from the quote, TradFi banking system before. So I love that example. And Sticking with kind of where we are right now in 2023, what are some of the things that Mercy Core Ventures is focused on this year when it comes to blockchain? What are the What are the opportunities? Because I feel like there's always buzz every year. It's like a new flashy object with blockchain, you know? So where are you guys focused right now? Is it in the flashy object sector or is there something that Mercy Corps Ventures is doing different than other organizations?
1: I I think we've been successful in avoiding a lot of the flashy objects. uh, I I hope, at least from a professional perspective, I think maybe personal investments uh, have have been less, (laughs) less successful from that side. But I would say that for, Mer- for Mercicore Ventures, what we've been thinking about from a crypto perspective is that as the sector continues to mature and as our pers- as our own thesis sharpens, um, certain use cases do rise to the top. Right, We do see that there are areas where we feel there's much more promise for how crypto can be deployed and how it's going to make a positive impact on, on underserved users' lives. And so one, one thing that we are uh, openly and actively sourcing for are... Uh, proposals from partners that are uh, in these these uh, priority areas. So access to credit for underbanked users, so what I was just describing, uh, nature-based solutions for climate resilience, humanitarian aid delivery, and transparent supply chains. I think thematically, those are areas where we have, based off the research that we've been doing, uh, our experience running pilots over the past two years- Feedback from different partners in the ecosystem that we've been working with, we we have confidence that those are some of the more promising use cases of crypto. So we're eager to launch more solutions uh, where appropriate for underserved users and emerging markets there. Um, And with each of the each of the each of the pilots that we do run. The core criteria that we do look for is that they are innovative. So is this an innovative use use of the technology? This is something that's new and going to be value-adding for the the ecosystem. Uh, We make sure that it's impactful. So are we serving um, target demographics who are otherwise underserved and making sure that they're going to get some benefit out of this? And then is the solution scalable? And so the idea that after a pilot, uh, we want to make sure that this can become uh, a standalone larger initiative. And so that's how we've been approaching a lot of the work that we're doing with crypto uh, when it comes to piloting. We've, uh, we've wrapped all this up into uh, a larger vehicle. We call it the Crypto for Good Fund. And so last year, we ran the first iteration of the Crypto for Good Fund. Um, we received uh, 200 proposals uh, from 50 different countries around the world and uh, and we ended up we've we've um we've announced the three of the winners from that initial fund exercise uh, and so this year uh, just a few weeks ago we've we've op- opened up the second round of the crypto for good fund and so we are we're looking for pilot partners all around the globe who are working on those priority areas and more uh, with focus on emerging markets for underserved users
0: of those four i believe there are four priority areas mm-hmm. which one do you think is the one that's going to start to take up a lot more market share and a lot more of your investment time and kind of analysis. Because the story in my head is it's going to be impossible that they say 25%, 25%, 25%, 25%. Which one of those do you think in five years is going to be, you know if we're going to think of the Pareto principle here, going to be taking 80% of the investment portfolio?
1: I think each of these four, you're going to, and this is probably a cop-out, but I would say that each of these four is going to have significant growth. Um, just talking about like climate smart solutions as a start, right? So there's expected to be $23 trillion uh, climate smart investment opportunity by 2030 into frontier markets alone. So you can think of that as just like solving partially nature-based solutions for climate resilience is of course a subset of that, but you're going to have massive opportunity there. Uh, you see, the carbon markets have the, the average price of a carbon credit has doubled in the past year. Um, demand for it has also um, gone up. I believe four x. Um, there's there's huge demand and huge need for these solutions, and and so you're going to see that these are going to crop up, and it's going to take up more and more of the airtime. Uh, access to credit for underbanked users. This is uh, this is something that is. Um, it's going to get trickier now that we're in a higher interest rate environment, but this is still a very critical engine for growth. And as uh, development finance institutions move away from um, grant models and try to find maybe more blended finance solutions, there's going to, you're going to see more, more players entering this space and you're going to see a, a greater need for innovative solutions for solving this. And so you have a massive need. I think it was a $5 trillion funding gap is what I mentioned earlier. So that's just like right now alone for MSMEs in emerging markets. So broadly speaking, that's going to be a huge opportunity there. So whoever can actually meaningfully take a chunk of that, you're going to see a lot of big winners there. Um, Humanitarian aid delivery, like we were just talking about, uh, the number of People on the move, IDPs or refugees, is increasing, unfortunately. You have more people being um, pushed out of their homes because of the effects of climate change. Uh, and unfortunately, conflict is rising around the world. And so you're going to have more people who need humanitarian aid, and which is why organizations like Mercy Corps exist. And I think uh, as donors push for greater transparency, there's going to be more of an argument around why blockchain can be beneficial for uh, delivering and distributing humanitarian aid. So again, you're going to see this thing grow quite quickly as well. Um, and then lastly, on the transparent supply chains, this is an area, I think this is probably one of the first big proposed use cases around crypto. Uh, if you go say like go back like or blockchain, you go back five, eight, 10 years. Um, the fact that you have a uh, decentralized ledger with a shared consensus mechanism—this uh, is this was supposed to be how uh, the supply chain of the future was going to work, so that you could make sure that um, you had full transparency. You could make sure that uh, fair trade was really fair, that people at the um, the farmers and the traders at the base of the supply chain were actually getting a living wage out of it i think in practice we have not seen this materialize still and so if we can get a few major industries behind this whether it's food or fashion uh and get them to start investing in uh public public solutions dlt that will help to move the needle. And then you'll end up having a much more fair economy. So I could see how transparent supply chains will actually benefit this a lot. So again, it's a cop out. But I do think that there are, there's massive growth potential in all of these areas. And especially as it comes to how Web3 can be beneficial or additive.
0: It's interesting that you mentioned the supply chains because one of my biggest holdings, and I'll just say this, is VChain. And they're one of the top cryptocurrencies as far as market cap. And they're trying to be the solution for transparent and you know efficient supply chains in the world and i'm interested to see i know that they already have agreements or partnerships with walmart in china but we'll see if that comes across the ocean to to the united states and to other markets looking ahead we've kind of talked about you know the four sectors of focus for mercy core ventures for you looking ahead where is mercy core ventures going to go with crypto and blockchain and i guess actually this is a question i should have asked earlier but of the entire portfolio that you're currently investing in, how many of those solutions are actually crypto and blockchain? Because they could be other solutions that are also techie. Um, you know, they could be AI, it could be machine learning. It could be a holy host of other things that we're starting to see roll out. How much of the portfolio right now is focused around crypto and blockchain? And do you think that that will increase or kind of stay the same as other innovations like AI, for example, are really starting to become more front and center for people, both in the individual level, whether it's chat GPT or on a greater level, if we look at like self-driving cars?
1: Our portfolio consists of about 40 companies right now. And I believe of those 40, six are Web3, Web3 native. So let's say about 15% of the portfolio. I think that we'll probably have more Web3 companies joining the joining the portfolio. I think that's clearly an area of of opportunity and of growth, especially as it comes to builder interests in emerging markets. Uh, whether that's going to grow faster than um, other other domain areas, we're looking into we're looking into e mobility as an example. We're looking into more into supply chains as well. Like whether that's going to grow faster than than those spaces, I don't have a clear answer for you yet. Um, probably best to speak with our our, uh, our investment leads uh, on that topic. But I, I do think that Web3 is here to stay, and I think it's just a matter of figuring out like, what are those right use cases, uh, and then identifying the builders who are leveraging that technology in the best way.
0: I couldn't agree more. I don't think crypto or Web3 is going anywhere. I think it's going to continue to, to be invested into. And one of the things that you said earlier in a comment, you said, you know, we're in this high inflation environment, and we're in this high, basically, interest environment as governments and the world tries to basically tamp down inflation. We're trying to slow the velocity of money. So we're increasing how expensive it is for people basically to get debt or credit. How does the macro impact you guys that are on the ground, kind of in the micro? So I guess my question is, are you guys on calls like, wow, the Fed's going to keep raising rates? You know, how is that going to you know, impact some of the stuff we're trying to do?
1: Yeah, there's no denying this. Um, interest rates go up, risk appetites go down. Uh, so from a funder perspective, from an investor perspective, you end up started you start flocking towards safer havens, safer assets. Impact investing in emerging markets is one of the riskier assets classes that you can find. And so I think... Um, a lot of the founders and builders that we work with, they're feeling the heat, they're feeling the the crunch here when it comes to uh, much longer timeframes to fundraise, uh, much harder to get in front of the right investors. Uh, investors are slower to deploy and kind of holding back on their capital. So you have more down rounds or you just have rounds that aren't really closing. So my hat's off to all the builders who are who are trucking through this, because I think this is uh, this has got to be an incredibly challenging time to be an entrepreneur. Uh, but as they say uh bear markets are for builders and i think the the companies that are going to come out of this period are going to be resilient and they're going to be future proofed and willing to or ready to tackle the next challenges head on and that's part of our commitment as well as a, as a fund and as a, as a team that we are going to continue to deploy. We're going to continue to support entrepreneurs. And with the Crypto for Good Fund too that we just launched, we're still putting our money out there and we're still trying to find values aligned builders who are launching the right technology, right, launching the right solutions uh, to help close some of these intractable problems that we as an organization have been intent on solving. Um, so yeah, while the, while the overall Landscape is certainly uh, more bare, bearish than it was a year ago. I think you still have you still have committed builders and entrepreneurs who are out there on the front lines, really trying to serve, solve these problems. And hopefully, you have uh, sufficient funding, funder interest to help uh, grease the wheels so that uh, growth can continue to
0: happen. One of the biggest projects that I see that's making a lot of moves in this bear market, as you said, bear markets for builders, is Polygon and every month they do something that I'm like, wow, like, okay, okay, guys, we, we know you're not going anywhere. And so Mercy Core Ventures, you guys just recently locked down a partnership with them. Do you want to speak on that a little bit? Cause I think that that's huge for Mercy Core Ventures and obviously for Polygon.
1: Yeah, of course. Um, we're really excited and I'm grateful for this partnership. Um, so Polygon Labs, the team behind the, the Polygon e- ecosystem, we've We've entered a partnership with them uh, and through this partnership, there's going to be three pillars that we work on. So one is funding blockchain pilots and these pilots are going to be focused on uh, people who are excluded from the traditional financial system. So what we were talking about earlier uh, with the focus on underserved communities and emerging markets. Uh, And then on top of that, uh, we're going to be having a series of blockchain hackathons. And so this is going to be for developers building solutions specifically for emerging market users. And so the idea here being that a lot of what's happening in the crypto world is still, of course, Global North focused. And so how do we how do we put the right incentives and the right systems in place to have solutions built by the local community for users in that community? Because nobody knows those problems better than people who are living those day-to-day. Uh, and then lastly, the third pillar there is around uh, running a blockchain bootcamp roadshow. And so this is gonna be an educational and informational work that's gonna be focused on local educational institutions, NGOs, and any other organizations who are looking to improve the way that they work through blockchain technology. So yeah, it's, uh, we're, we're, we're really excited to be working with Polygon on this um, and, and look forward to, to what, what we can do together over the coming year.
0: Yeah, that's super exciting. When I saw that, I think I saw that post, I'm not sure if you shared it or Scott, but I saw it on LinkedIn and I was like, wow, that's, that's huge. It's a really big partnership, and so congrats to Mercy Corps Ventures for for making that. And I think those three initiative areas are beautiful, and they're going to hopefully help to continue to build the ecosystem in the right way. Looking at the Crypto for Good Fund, because you've just launched that, do you want to speak a little bit about that? I feel like I be, wouldn't be doing my job if if I didn't ask you to speak a little bit about what that looks like and how people can get into it, because I think that they still have time. I believe the application window is still open, even when this comes out, which will be in a couple of days, mid March if you want to talk about that, that would would be beautiful.
1: Yeah, of course. Um, So the genesis behind this is that we've been running pilots for over two years uh, when it comes to Web3. And originally, a lot of our deal flow, if you'll call it that, it was coming from within our portfolio companies, and it was coming from our network. And the challenge that we had faced there was that you know because it's it's only things that within your within your bubble you end up getting not the greatest diversity of ideas and so what we decided to do and also in the spirit of web3 is we wanted to decentralize this process a bit more and so what that resulted in was uh, the first crypto for good fund that we launched last march and so as i mentioned we had uh, over 200 or about 200 applicants uh, from around the world and, and we felt that this was this became a way for us to democratize access to grant funding for builders. And that was something that was really important to us, especially uh, just given the, the, the values and ethos that we try to maintain. And so with the second round of it, we're doing the same thing. Uh, we're targeting impact driven entrepreneurs and tech focused startups uh, with a preference for gender balanced and locally led teams. Uh, on top of that, the in terms of what we're looking for, it's startups who are building innovative Web3 solutions uh, that have the massive potential to reach scale with blockchain technology. Well, the WHERE, it's, uh, it's going to be solutions for financially underserved populations in frontier economies, uh, specifically Asia, Africa, Latin America. And then in terms of... Um, the one, the one big thing that I do want to note is that the impact focus, and this is again because we are an impact investor, because we are part of Mercy Corps, we have very strong roots in, in building and generating social impact, and that's the the same the same goes for the Crypto for Good fund. And so, with the with this opportunity, we've, we're focusing on financial and climate resilience. The populations that we're trying to serve are smallholder farmers refugees and migrants, unemployed youth, informal workers, women, uh, micro-entrepreneurs. These are groups that are typically underserved or neglected by traditional systems. And we want to make sure that these uh, these communities and populations are put at the front and center of uh, of any solution, especially uh, taking a human-centered design approach to make sure that what's being built is going to be tailored towards the, the problems that they face. Um, and then the last thing that I want to flag for the fund is that we're looking for proposals that have. Uh, a very clear learning agenda. The reason why we run these pilots is because we do wanna build an evidence base and increase the body of knowledge of how crypto can be used for good in the wider community. And so to achieve this, each of our pilots have uh, predefined learning objectives, which we co-design with our pilot partners. And we also have uh, a set of impact KPIs and so these KPIs help us to measure and ensure uh, the effect of the pilot, uh, ensure that the effect of the pilot is, is what we're hoping for. And it's, it's leaving a positive impact for the communities that we serve.
0: I'm going to go ahead and leave the link to the Crypto for Good Fund if people are interested in checking it out, if they want to apply. Can you remind me of when the application needs to be in by? This episode will go live on March 14th, so I'm hoping that there's at least a week or two when people, if they hear this and, they, and they'd and they like to apply, could you talk about the application window?
1: And so applications, we're accepting them
0: until the end of March, so
1: March 31st. For more information on how to apply, uh, visit our Medium page, Mercy core Ventures, uh, and you'll be able to see a lot more information on the Crypto for Good Fund on there, we have we have an FAQ, we have a term sheet, and there's also the application form. So you can just click through there and, uh, and you should be able to see all the information around what's needed. The application should take maybe two to four hours to complete. And we recommend, yeah, we recommend to, to fill it all in one go. So make sure that you have your, your answers saved elsewhere.
0: I'll go ahead and leave the link to the Medium article. And I've shared that multiple times on LinkedIn and on Twitter. But I'll go ahead and leave that in the show notes. Do you want to share where people can get in touch with you if they want to talk to you about something outside of the Crypto for Good Fund and they just want to talk about ventures? Maybe they're looking to invest in Mercy Corps Ventures as you guys are an impact investment organization, or maybe they're looking for funding that's outside of the Crypto for Good Fund.
1: If anyone wants to get in touch, feel free to message me on LinkedIn or send an email. My, uh, my email is kkou at Um, So happy to happy to be in touch and hear from like-minded or curious, um, curious individuals when it comes to this work that we're doing.
0: I'll go ahead and leave your email and leave the medium article and leave a link to your LinkedIn in the show notes. And Ken, thank you so much for hopping on. And I look forward to one day meeting you hopefully out in the field. And when we're looking at a web three solution,
1: my pleasure. Thanks for having me, (laughs) Jarrett.
0: Thanks for checking out this episode of more than blockchain and to get in touch with Ken to learn more about mercy core ventures and to read up on the crypto for good funding. Go ahead and check out this episode's show notes as always be sure to follow us on social media at more than blockchain. And if you enjoyed this episode, please go ahead and do two things subscribe to the pod no matter where you're listening to us and drop the link to a friend family member or colleague. Thanks for checking out More Than Blockchain, and I'll see you next time.